We are going to be in Matthew 11 today. We were married, Ruth and I, over 30 years ago. In May, we hit our 30th anniversary. And I'll never forget the first, we just get married and, uh, you know, we had a little food in the cupboard. But I remember that first time we went grocery shopping together. Of course, when you're first married, you like to do everything together, as hopefully you will 30 years later. But we went grocery shopping together, and we get a cart, and of course, I'm the man, so I'm pushing the cart, and she's filling that thing up. And I remember getting to the cereal aisle. Now, I ate cereal every morning. That was my jam. I love cereal. And she liked one cereal, actually two, but we still had one in the cupboard. And she liked Cheerios, just the bland ones. And I remember her picking that Cheerios box off of the, and putting it in the cart. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, there's Toastios right there, but you picked Cheerios. Um, there's like a $1.25 difference between Toastios and Cheerios. And I remember grabbing that, putting it back up and grabbing the Toastios. And that was like, yeah, we thought, okay, this may not last too long. This woman needed Cheerios and not Toastios. And I tried to convince her that they were made in the same factory, I'm sure, but it did not convince her. I had unmet expectations as well as she had unmet expectations on that first trip to the grocery store because I thought she would just be fine with whatever I said and she thought I would be fine if she had a preference. And there went our first squabble. A dollar twenty-five. We were fighting in the grocery store because there was some unmet expectations all about one cereal, all about one cereal. Well, that's what this message is today about, unmet expectations. We have really three different characters that are represented in our story today. One, I'm calling John the Baptizer. Many of you probably know him as John the Baptist. Um, Baptist is a term that's denominational now, and so I always use John the Baptizer because that's how he got his name. He baptized. He was not a Baptist, uh, so Baptist can't claim him. But I'll probably refer to him from now on as John. But you know which John it was now. It wasn't John the Disciple, but it was John the Baptizer. Well, John had... Um, some parents whose name were Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, the other person in the story is Jesus, and he had three parents. Two, really, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Mary and Joseph. Now, John the Baptist, or John's mother and Mary are said to maybe be cousins. Maybe be cousins, we're not quite sure, but they were related in some way. And then you're in this story, we're going to have the crowd of people that Jesus was talking to. So we got John, we've got Jesus, and we have the crowd. Miss Deborah, happy birthday, Wednesday. Um, 
I know. And I mentioned, yeah, she's not here. <laughs> yes. Well, happy birthday. I'll continue with my message now. So we've got these three different groups. So we got John, Jesus, and who Jesus was talking. So here are Zachariah and Elizabeth. These are John's parents. They were old. They could not have children. John is praying fervently. Elizabeth is praying fervently for children. And one day, he is in the temple because he was a priest. And they drew lots to light the incense and pray. So it was his time. And the angel Gabriel, as he was performing his duties, comes to him and says, Elizabeth's going to be pregnant. He kind of laughs like, no way. Like, he had just been praying for this, though. The angel tells him, you're going to have a son named John. And he laughs and doesn't believe it. Well, he has something happen to him where he becomes deaf and mute, where he cannot talk for nine months. Now, Elizabeth might have enjoyed that. I'm not sure their relationship. But till the baby came, he could not talk. So Elizabeth's pregnant. She actually goes and sees Mary about three months in, which is Jesus's mother-to-be. Wasn't quite yet. And that happens to where they talk about this pregnancy. And Mary was a little bit behind. But when Mary says, hey, I'm pregnant too, to Elizabeth, the baby leapt in the womb, the Bible says. So John actually must have been listening to what was happening and was excited that his cousin or Whatever relationship that was, was going to be coming out and was going to be the Messiah. Now, John was a little bit different dude, the Bible says. He dressed in camel hair. Now, I have a camel hair sport jacket, but I don't think that's what John looked like. I was in Israel last year, and we went and uh, we could ride a camel. That thing was one of the stinkiest animals I think I'd ever been around. The hair was kind of nasty, but John wore that kind of hair, that kind of, it reminds me of like the Flintstone outfit maybe, he may, I don't know, but he was probably a sight to behold in the wilderness. He ate some stuff too. The Bible talks about locusts and wild honey was part of his diet. So he was a different type of guy. Well, his job, the Bible says in the Old Testament, was to tell about the coming of the Messiah, which was Jesus. And so he does that. He tells people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, he does that to one guy, and it doesn't go really well for him. And as this story unfolds, he is in prison right now. So he's in jail for telling this one guy to repent. Now, what did he tell him to repent of? This guy's name's Herod. He told him to repent because he had taken his brother's wife to be his own wife. Now, that's pretty disgusting, right? 
So John doesn't play around. Even though this guy has all the power because he's the ruler of the area, he tells him, you need to repent. Bro, you are in sin. You are wrong. Well, as you can probably know, a political figure that's not going to go over real well with, is it? John goes to prison. He goes to jail. I'm sure he thought, I'm on the, the, the death row of this prison. And to be fair, he actually was on death row in that prison because he dies not too long after this. So he's sitting there going, I have been tasked with a job to proclaim the Messiah is coming. Repent, believe. And I know that that Messiah is Jesus. Matter of fact, I baptized Jesus. And he didn't have sin. And as a matter of fact, I made a statement saying, I am not worthy to even untie his sandals to wash his feet. So he knew and believed who Jesus was. And he spent his life proclaiming that message, pointing people to Jesus. He had a mission and he knew what it was. Matter of fact, this mission was even prophesied in the Old Testament that John would come and be on mission. Now, right before this story, Jesus had commissioned his 12 disciples and told them to go out and proclaim the gospel, which what was the gospel he told them to proclaim? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And as Pastor Mike preached last week, we know that Jesus came to divide. He had a message that actually divided households. He said, I want you to be saved, but I know it's going to cause division. He come to bring peace, though, too. You see, Pastor Mike preached last week on unmet expectations also. And that's the message this week. Last week he talked about through the power of the Holy Spirit, not fearing what's going to happen to you, but do the right thing. The Spirit will be with you. Do what Jesus tells you to do. This week we see a guy in John who I would have never thought would have doubted who Jesus was, doubts who Jesus was and is. I mean, this is a guy who leapt in the womb when he heard Jesus was coming. This is the guy who said, I'm not even worthy to untie this guy's sandals. But he doubted who Jesus was. Now, in this story, John may not have talked to Jesus for about a year a lot of commentators think. He would have been kind of distanced from Jesus because they were in two separate areas and doing different things. So his proximity to Jesus was probably quite a distance. He was absent from the Messiah, the Anointed One, his cousin. He wasn't around him. He's in jail. And he hears 
that Jesus sent these disciples of his away. And I'm sure he was sitting in that jail cell with a little bit of self-pity, going, man, I have a job to do. I mean, he was a hardcore man. I can't do my job in here. Jesus, I know, is going to get me out. He's the Messiah. But that's not what happens. Let's read this passage of Scripture together in Matthew 11, and then we'll break it down. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Have you ever been let down by Jesus? Have you ever had unexpected expectations happened to you with Jesus. You see, Jesus has let a lot of people down, or so they think. It reminds me of when I had little children, they loved ice cream and candy. And probably your children love ice cream and candy. But when you feed them peas and broccoli, their expectations, you're kind of letting them down, aren't you? Like, come on, Mom, you're supposed to be cool. Why aren't you doing this or that? Now, when you feed them their peas and broccoli, are you really letting them down? No. 
They're the issue, not you. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And honestly, that's what happens with Jesus most of the time, or all of the time, I should say. People have unmet expectations of how they view things should be going in their life. It's not Jesus that's letting them down. It's their own expectations that are skewed. This is how a lot of people deal with the holy God. And if we understand that God's ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts, we will not have unmet expectations in this life. Because honestly, the Bible gives us expectations that we should be living by. Message last week was part of that. This message this week. And you can look all throughout Scripture of suffering. But we don't look at it as we should. When you became a Christian, you started reading the Bible, I'm sure. You started praying. You read in the book of Acts. They were in a communal community and they're praising God together and they're giving to one another and everything looked great when the church first started. I mean, they're meeting daily and sharing. People had needs. They sold property and they gave them things. But quickly, quickly you see disputes. You see different controversial things happening. What happens? Unmet expectations. Life actually happens. I'm going to let you down and you're going to let me down. Because we probably have expectations on each other that were never meant to be met or one of us didn't meet them. Life happens, but how do we deal with it? You see, most of us get our feelings hurt and our feelings start to dictate what is actually true. Some of us get our feelings hurt with God and those start to dictate what we believe about God versus going to God's Word. You see, we start to question God. Is He really who He says He is? Because if He was, my life would be X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C. And it's not. Does God not love me? What is happening? We start to question, is He really good? Is He really right? Is He really perfect? Because if He was perfect, I wouldn't be in this situation. We stop praying. We stop reading scriptures. We stop getting godly counsel. We start to lean on our own understanding or what we think we understand. And this may have been what John was going through. He's in prison on death row. His job is to proclaim the Messiah is come. How can he do his job if he is in prison, is Jesus really the Messiah? Because if he is, why is he not getting me out of here to do my job? And I'm sure I would have had those same questions. What is going on? So, instead of just listening to his feelings all the time, he gets his disciples, says, I've got a job for you. 
Remember Jesus, the one I've been proclaiming? I want you to go see him. And I've got a question I want you to ask him, and I want you to bring back the answer to me. Verse 2 says, Now when John heard in prison that the deeds of the Christ, of the deeds of the Christ, he sent his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who has come, or shall we look for another? Now, I'm sure John would have actually went to Jesus himself if he could have. What do we do when our feelings are hurt, when we have unmet expectations? We shrink back. We kind of maybe sit on the the back row of the church. We maybe avoid that person who didn't meet our expectations. We kind of pull back and distance ourselves. John didn't do that, but he had doubts, but he didn't do that. He sent his disciples to find out, man, I got some doubts, but I want to know, is this the Christ? Is this the Messiah, the chosen one, who is going to lead us Jews out of the Roman oppression? Is this the one? Because honestly, that's what a lot of people thought Jesus was supposed to do. Lead them on an earthly level from Roman oppression. Of course, Jesus, being Jesus, gives an answer. Now, it's funny how Jesus does things. When I'm asked a question, a yes or no question, because he asks, Are you the Messiah? Is this the one, or do we need to look for another? Jesus never gives a yes or no answer. What does he say in this passage of Scripture? Now, when John heard in prison that the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who has come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, this was a yes or no question. What does Jesus do so many times? He asks, answers questions the long way around it, like he could make a short, answer long. But he knew, John knew, what the Messiah's job was, what his role would be on this earth. And he gives them, this is what the Messiah is supposed to do. This is what I'm doing. And it got me thinking. I've had people ask me, are you a Christian? You know what my answer is? Yes. You know what my answer probably should be? I love God with my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and I'm loving my neighbor as myself. But you know how many times I can answer that honestly? Or I could go to Galatians. Are you a Christian, Cleet? Said, I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I have self-control. Because those are the fruit of the Spirit, right? 
But would I be answering honestly all the time? But that would be a good answer, would it not? I should be able to answer like that instead of just saying yes. But I don't. I'd say yes. I think we can learn something from Jesus here. Don't know his answer, yes or no. And it got me thinking, too many times in life, I take the easy way out on how I answer people. How I described. Are you loving your wife? I should be able to give ways I'm loving my wife. That would prove I love my wife. Not just, oh yeah, I'm loving my wife. Jesus always hits home runs. Always hits home runs. Now, if I was Jesus and I was questioned if I was the Messiah, I would probably had my feelings hurt. Like, bruh, I had you baptize me. What are you thinking? Of course I'm the Messiah. So now my feelings would have been hurt too. How can John not believe in me? Like, really? We're cousins, bro. But Jesus isn't like that. Listen to what he says. The disciples of John leave and they go back and tell him about Jesus. As they went away, the disciples of John, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Now, he didn't throw him under the bus, but listen to what he says. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Because a lot of people knew who John was. And he lived out in the desert. A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. John didn't wear soft clothing. What did we say he wore? That camel hair. Camel, nasty camel hair. I'm sure that stuff was itchy. It's like wool, probably. I don't know. Behold, those that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. He was a prophet. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he whom it is written, behold. So Jesus is telling him, listen, John was written about. John was written about. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, and he's talking to the crowds about John, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's saying good things about John, but he's saying that's not all about John. If you're part of the kingdom of heaven, you're as great as John, if not greater. He doesn't say, man, John's a doubter. Don't be like him, man. He's terrible. Can you believe he doubted me? He has given this man mad props. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent take by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah come. Because a lot of people thought Elijah was going to be reincarnated or risen and, and come and proclaim. He who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, John's a good guy. He is a prophet. He proclaims who I am. 
Jesus confirms truth about John. John didn't lose any status in Jesus' eyes. And that, I hope, is an encouragement to us when we doubt and come to Jesus, that he still loves us, he cares about us, but that we come to him and we don't linger far from him. Jesus, after he tells them about John, then turns to the crowds again, but he says something to them about themselves. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. And we sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking. And they said, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. You see, John and Jesus had the same message. I can imagine Jesus sounding like a boomer right here. Listen to this generation. Listen to this generation. They're like little kids playing in the market. Nothing satisfied them. Here was John on one side. They call, oh, this guy must have a demon because he lived in the wilderness. He was a crazy-looking guy eating wild honey and locusts. He fasted. He prayed all the time. Then Jesus comes, and he's enjoying the company of everyone, the, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. He's eating and drinking with them. He's not fasting. They didn't like either one of them, Jesus is saying. What do you want? You didn't like John. You don't like me. You generation, you're like kids. You're like little kids that want, I'm going to play my flute. You need to dance. You do this. Jesus said, we're not like that. We're not little puppets on a string. We are who we are, but you have rejected us. You have rejected us. You see, the Jews wanted a Messiah, but they wanted an earthly Messiah. They wanted one who would stop the Roman oppression. And when Jesus says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent. Like, man, that doesn't help me now. But we know Jesus did help people now. What was he doing? Healing the lame, raising the dead, causing blind to see. He cared about their physical. All they cared about was the political, though. See, the Jews were selfish, and I get it. If I was under that oppression, I would be too, probably. Wanting that Roman oppression off of my neck. And they can't see how things are getting better. But things are getting much better because Jesus is here. And the reason Jesus came was to pay for their sins. You see, they had lambs that they were slaughtered. Jesus was the lamb that would be slaughtered, but they didn't see it. They couldn't feel it. Jesus was making things better. He made things better for us here today. Things may not be going well in your life 
or so you may think. And maybe there are some real dynamics happening in your life and you've got some unmet expectations about what life may be. Are you running to Jesus with them? Because when he came, he came to forgive mankind of their sins. That is the beautiful news of why Jesus came. Repent and believe and you will be saved. You see, we were all born into sin. It started with our parents, Adam and Eve. And we were thrust into sin. Why do you think everything is the way it is out there today? Why do we have crime? Why do we have cancer? Why do we have all of these nasty things that happen? Because of sin. It's not a perfect world. You just walk out these doors or walk in these doors and you'll figure that out. It's not a perfect world in here. We're going to hurt each other. Why? Because we're sinners. We're going to do bad things. But that's why Jesus came. To pay for that sin so that we do not have to pay for that sin in eternity in hell. The biggest issue in life is enmity with the Creator. There's no peace with God without Jesus. So I beg you today, if you do not know Jesus, that you know Jesus. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling, don't draw back. Don't draw back like many do. Be like John. Ask Jesus some things. Go to his word. Find out what's going on. Where are you, God? Draw nigh to him. Go to his word. John went straight to God if he could have, which was Jesus. He couldn't, so he sent his disciples. I need answers. He could have sat there and sulked in his cell, but he didn't. He got the answer he was looking for, and Jesus answered him with, look at what I'm doing. That was the Messiah's job, and I'm doing it. And we know, till the end, John stood firm. And we're going to find out he will be put to death when he called Herod to repentance. The daughter will have his head on a platter. But I want to leave us not just with what to do, but I want to leave us with 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. If you would turn there, verses 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. Now, I know this may not sound like you all the time, but I hope you will get there. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from our Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. You know what? Sometimes you may be in the minutiae of issues. Sometimes it may be coming at you from all sides. Sometimes life happens. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We know that we have a good God who is good. He is right. 
And he is perfect. And he works everything out for our good. Now, it may not look like an earthly good, but we know in the end, he is our Savior. We know in the end, we can rest on his promises if we walk by faith and not by sight. This is the word of God for us today.